0: good morning morning. it's really nice to be here it feels a little odd to just come and preach but our family has been dealing with sickness during the last week yesterday morning I woke up with a scratchy throat and and sinus stuff and my my throat was really due to my sinuses draining and and by mid-morning that was feeling pretty good and I feel better this morning. My head's still a little stuffy. My throat's fine. Uh, I'm not on any medication, so I don't have to worry about any size of Sorry, bubble in my throat there. But I decided to come and preach, but not interact. I hope that's okay. The message. I'm excited to share. I'm also a little bit, what's the word I'm looking for? Apprehensive. That's perfect. Apprehensive. In sharing different aspects of it. But I trust you know my heart, and I trust that you know. What I'm trying to convey or what I'm trying to convey here uh, the title for my message Brooke didn't think very many would get this I may have to explain but the title is truth for your relatives don't start clapping no it's it is for you not just for your relatives but where I'm coming from is, is a play on words Today, truth is considered relative in many, with many people. They don't want an absolute truth unless it agrees with their ideology. And I've been thinking a lot about truth. So if you have an area in your life, perhaps you may not even realize it, but that you've decided or you've felt that perhaps truth is relative to this situation, I feel this way, but since this is the situation, maybe there's some exceptions to truth. I don't know. Is that where you're at? But that's where the title comes from, truth for your relatives. Things in your life that you may be struggling with, perhaps you're not actually believing full truth in some of these situations. Truth for your relatives. Truth has been under attack for some time, as we would all agree. Really, since the beginning of time. In our experience, we can see, I think all of us would agree, we see that attack progressing in society as time goes on. I can see it. Those younger than I can see it. Those much older, like Emmanuel, I'm sure, can see it in ways that we can't. Things that used to be commonplace in society are now flipped completely upside down and they're no longer acceptable. What used to be a commonly accepted truth is no longer acceptable in mainstream society. There's been several subjects of interest that have caught my attention recently and really it caused me to realize or to think again what truth is and how do we get there. So the first chapter of Romans we find, without turning to it, we find the downward spiral, you could say, away from truth that really begins when mankind rejects God. They know God. They know there is a God, but they, at some point, reject Him. And if the course isn't changed in following generations, you find a departure from from truth in a way that's unprecedented, really. When God is not retained in knowledge, many ideas, many witty inventions and discoveries that might otherwise be used for some good are instead used to satisfy selfish needs of greed and lust. I want to clarify, this is actually, I'm planning for this to be a two-part message, This is part one. Uh, I won't be preaching next Sunday, Lord willing, I will the following Sunday, and we'll finish it up then. Paul had this to say about the Cretans in Titus chapter 1, verse 15. Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. I feel that can be applied to most anyone that is an unbelieving person that has rejected truth. They profess they know God, but in works they deny him. There's many people today which would profess that there is a God or that they know God. There's many that also deny God. But one thing I'm seeing is that there's a disrespect for holiness and for purity. Really, the only sin in society today is shame. Whatever you feel, you need to triumph and push. I heard a man say that recently. Really, the only sin in society today is shame. You must not feel shame for how you feel, even when what you are feeling is very sinful, very shameful, and should not be paid attention to, should be rejected. But instead, they reject truth and call that their truth. So we read Titus, what Paul had to say in Titus 1 verse 15, and I also see some similar language used in Genesis chapter 6 verse 5. After man became sinful and God had been rejected, we see a regression in those chapters of epic proportions. Thank you, Christian. Leah told me just before I left, gave me a hug and said, I hope you have a good time preaching. And I said, well, I guess uh, I guess I will have a good time. So that's something that uh, I was, I really was excited to come and share with you this morning. Thank you for helping me to feel welcome in that way. So verse 5 and. Genesis 6, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Again, we can draw a pretty good connection with that in mainstream society today. Truth had become irrelevant and to take its place was limited only by one's imagination. Sometime after the deluge, as Josephus called it, The people once again began working against God after the flood. Genesis 6 was before the flood. Genesis, well then, uh, the account of, and we're going to be talking about the Tower of Babel here. This was after the flood, but man had once again uh, disobeyed God and began working against him. Had a wrong view of who God was. And they built a great tower believing that God could not be trusted. In fact, In his account, Josephus mentioned that it was considered cowardice to submit to God. I'd like to read a little bit from his account, if I may. Now it was Nimrod who excited them to such an affront and contempt of God. He was the grandson of Ham, the son of Noah, a bold man and of great strength of hand. He persuaded them not to ascribe it to God, as if it was through his means they were happy, but to believe that it was through their own courage which procured that happiness. He also gradually changed the government into tyranny. I guess that's how you pronounce that word. Tyranny, tyranny. Gradually changed the government into tyranny, seeing no other way of turning men from the fear of God but to bring them into a constant dependence upon his power. He also said he would be revenged on God if he should have a mind to drown the world again. For that, he would build a tower too high for the waters to be able to reach, and that he would avenge himself on God for destroying their forefathers. If that's accurate, it's most interesting to see that this is something that you wouldn't see in Scripture. You could maybe deduce this from Scripture, but it's not explicitly mentioned that I know of that the children, that the the people of of the earth, though they were commanded to go and, and, and scatter abroad, they decided to stay in one place because they didn't trust God. They didn't acknowledge His. They acknowledged that he existed, that there was a God, but he had destroyed their forefathers and therefore he couldn't be trusted. What if he tries this again? The only reason when you read more of his writings, you get the idea, the attitude they had was, what if he wants us to spread about in the earth so that we are weak? We're going to stay together and stay strong, and we're going to build this tower in case he ever decides to do this again but they did not deny his existence. It's interesting to me. So truth is the foundation upon which one's life and beliefs are built. It must be. When truth is rejected, there is no more foundation to build upon, and the whole house is a collapse waiting to happen. as when our children stack blocks together to see how high they can go before they wobble and crash. The crash is inevitable when your tower is not built on truth. The only recourse without the foundation of truth is to lean on one's own understanding. That is how truth becomes relative. And in society today, truth has become just whatever you want it to be, whatever you can imagine. Take gender identity, for instance. When I was a boy, I remember hearing the term gay when I heard my parents talking about one of my dad's brothers. Later, I also heard the term lesbian and soon learned that those terms were referring, what those terms were referring to. Soon I began to hear whispers and other conversations discussing the claim that, well, they were born that way. They say they were born that way. Little, little did I know but that this was only the beginning. And this is fairly close to my heart because there is been some close family members that have taken this path. But just this week I heard of a lesbian bar in Portland that closed after becoming accused of not being a safe place. The bar called Doc Marie's was told it wasn't inclusive enough for trans people and people of color. Being trans is the new rage, and there is no end in sight for how folks are trying to identify. What used to be called LGBT, is now called LGBTQIA+, whatever you can imagine. And with the plus, you can easily deduce that there is no end in sight for how someone might identify. But enough of that for now. In fact, you may be wondering, is this subject even worth discussing or addressing in church? Believing lies and adopting feelings as your identity only happens out there, right? The world is and always has been crazy, but we're wise and know what truth is, right? The way I see it, we can be aware of the world condition and the degradation of society, but at the same time, we must also be very careful. We are called to redeem the time and... Really, we should think twice before we squander precious minutes reading ridiculous news stories. At the same time, we must be watchful, as what becomes common in society always tends to creep closer and closer and attempts to attack and undermine those who stand for truth. Sadly, I have seen far too many Christians that seem to have adopted their feelings as their identity and believe lies. Who are we listening to? Are we listening to those who tell us what we want to hear? Are we listening to those that tell us we are the victim? Those that blame everybody and everyone around us for our problems? I'd like to discuss a few examples of society possibly creeping in and affecting us in hopes to help us steer clear of deception. No one wants to be deceived. No one at face value would think they're deceived by very definition of deception. But these are little things that they seem little, but really I think they're, they're huge, they're big. Many of us grew up with a Merriam Webster's dictionary. Who would remember that dictionary? It was, one of the, it was kind of the go to that all other dictionaries were, were measured against. And we had one, you know, we often used. I think we had maybe several of them, but Merriam Webster's was the most familiar to me, uh, the name. And I use it today often online. And out of curiosity, just for myself, how many of us are aware that they recently changed wording on some of their, on some of their words in the dictionary? Has anybody? Okay, there's a few that are, have been aware of that. So they recently changed the wording for the word female and girl to be more inclusive of gender identity. Gender identity is basically the idea of your feelings determining your gender rather than gender corresponding with biological sex. So if you, were, if you were born a female, you would be a woman, you would be a girl. Gender identity has a definition in the Merriam-Webster's Dictionary, and that is a person's internal sense of being male, internal sense of being male, female, some combination of male and female, or neither male nor female. It's Up to your imagination, whatever you want. That's Merriam-Webster's. I looked these up myself and screenshot them and copied them down. So for girl, the first meaning says a female child from birth to adulthood. And right beneath it is another meaning Number two, A, I believe it was, says a person whose gender identity is female. That's what they recently changed to include those that identify that way but are not actually that way. That's in Merriam-Webster's online dictionary. Female, of relating to or being the sex that typically has the capacity to bear young or produce eggs. That's in the whole mammal world. The next meaning, having a gender identity that is opposite of a male. So not biologically, but just if you feel that way. Keep this in mind that our children will grow up with this definition in the dictionary. Is this serious or is this something that should be addressed, is it something we want to be aware of? I think it is. These things can creep in very slowly. Your child can be at school or somewhere, look up a word, even if they're old enough to have a phone. They're like, oh, this is what that means. Uh, Hopefully they have the relationship with you to actually come and ask, is this accurate? Will they take your teaching over a dictionary? It's amazing you have to do that these days, but obviously you must. Where people can actually change meanings that have been in place since probably for a very long time and and have been questioned. Now, those are slowly being changed and and will uh, soon probably be at the forefront. Shifting slightly now to the subject of mental health. Maybe I shifted a whole lot there. But again, this is similar to gender identity because it has to do with how we feel. We probably all know someone, or perhaps we ourselves, Take an antidepressant for anxiety or depression. During 2015 to 2018, 13.2% of Americans aged 18 and over reported taking antidepressant medication in the past 30 days. Antidepressant use was higher among women than men in every age group. Use increased with age in both men and women. What did your doctor tell you if you are taking antidepressants? Likely that you've perhaps had a chemical imbalance. I've personally heard that term used many times over the years. A report that I heard about just this week puts new light on the subject. Many of you may have heard this. I want to read an excerpt or different. Actually, there's, there's uh, some information I got from several different sites. One is from The Guardian.com vice.com and dailymail.co.uk. But I want to read a little bit about this. You may say this is true, you may say it's not true, but here again what people have thought for a while may be put in question, and perhaps rightly so, but you can decide. Last week, researchers at University College London said they had disproved a theory dating back to the 1960s. And again, this is a theory that depression is caused by low levels of serotonin, a chemical in the brain believed to control mood. Led by Professor Joanna Moncrief, a respected consultant psychiatrist, the study analyzed decades of research involving tens of thousands of patients with the condition and found no convincing evidence of a link between mental illness and serotonin levels. In the new analysis researchers said 85 to 90 percent of the public believe depression was caused by low serotonin or a chemical imbalance. And I don't know that to be true, but I do know in my own experience that's a common response for me. The authors also looked at studies where serotonin levels were artificially lowered in hundreds of people and concluded that lowering serotonin in this way did not produce depression in hundreds of healthy volunteers. Quality of life surveys were used to track both mental and physical health outcomes for each patient for two years following their diagnosis. The surveys assessed physical issues such as overall physical function, physical limitations, pain, overall health status, energy levels, and fatigue. Mental health issues were also tracked, including the ability to socialize, limitations due to emotional problems, psychological distress, and overall well being. The result After two years, those taking antidepressants reported feeling no better with respect to either physical or mental quality of life issues than those not taking the drugs, the researcher said. The new review combined evidence from 17 systematic reviews and studies with data from hundreds of thousands of people both with and without depression. It found that there was little credence to the idea that low serotonin activity or low amounts of serotonin are associated with depression. The study findings didn't surprise Dr. David Kotz, founding director of the Prevention Research Center at Yale University. Overall, said Kotz, antidepressant drugs tend to be only nominally effective. Even in the short term, much of their impact can be chalked up to a non-medicinal placebo effect, he added. I think I pronounced those words correctly. Two of the paper's authors wrote, if antidepressants exert their effects as placebos or by numbing emotions, maybe it's placebo." of a or by numbing emotions. Either way, whether it's in your head or whether it actually numbs your emotions, then it's not clear that they do more good than harm. Other studies looked at the effects of stressful life events and found that the more stressful life events a person had experienced, the more likely they were to be depressed, showing the importance of external events. And again, you may agree or disagree, you're free to. My personal feeling has been for a long time that stress or rather I would say perspective is the number one cause for us that struggle with depression and often uh, when you look at with it increasing with age the amount that people take it grows uh, the amount of people that take antidepressants uh, it seems to in some way for me correspond with uh, what we used to hear termed a midlife crisis When you reach a time in life where you kind of go through a tough time. Now, I know there's much more involved than that. And forgive me if I was controversial or upsetting there. The point that I want to bring out in this is that truth matters. You want to know truth. I want to know truth. Where are we going to find truth? Who are we listening to? One more thing according to the report the global antidepressant drugs market accounted for 14.11 billion in 2017 and is expected to reach 15.98 billion by 2023 during the forecast period that was written i believe on november in november 2018 first let's sh- shine some light on these complex issues first the, con- uh, the connection that i see on these two subjects is that both are about how a person feels we are christians And we as Christians may be nowhere close to feeling like a cat. And yes, there are communities of folks that identify as animals. Furries, they are called. But we have nothing less often carried our feelings, hurts, and burdens and adopted them as our identity. I feel, therefore, I am. I want to share with you something that Brooke wrote some time ago. And this was in her journal. This was personal for her and she had to uh she she did she she overlooked this i showed her what i had down to make sure that i could share this today so this is with her permission keep in mind that the truth shared here reflects a perspective a new mind if you will these are her personal thoughts for herself and she was kind to let me share it with y'all so something that she wrote in a moment of reflection i can spend countless hours learning and striving to carry well." And this, these are somewhat connected. These are, and in other ways, very connected. But it has to do with what we should cast and what we should carry. So in order to survive, or in order to be good to ourselves, she said, I can spend countless hours learning and striving to carry well. This can include self-care, needing therapy or mentors, having the right schedule, getting enough sleep, eating well, exercising, reading, playing. These aren't all necessarily things she did for herself, but in, in uh, she was just thinking of, of ways that we often, things we often do for ourselves. In order to carry, to carry what? They can be healthy habits, but what are we using them for? Then she said this, but, I was never meant to carry burdens, other souls, condemnation, responsibility, perfection, reputation, Christianity. Again these were for her personally. I was never meant to carry these. So we cast them, right? If we weren't meant to carry them, then we shouldn't. Casting, learning how to cast. And she used descriptive words of how to cast. Learning to cast, to throw, to dump, to empty, to relieve my heart and mind. Cast those off and carry this. Carry his forgiveness. Carry his acceptance. His perfection, his love, his hope, his reputation, his identity. Do you see the shift in perspective? When you carry burdens and other souls, and condemnation and responsibility and reputation and Christianity standards, we carry things that we think we must be and what we think others are expecting, cast those and instead carry his identity and what he gives one seems one seems right but binds you this you must cast first peter 5 7 says casting all your care upon him for he careth for you one is right but binds you one is right one seems right and one is right one seems right but binds you one is right and gives freedom this you must carry In John 8, Jesus said to those Jews who believed that if they would continue in his word, they would be his disciples indeed, and they would know the truth, and the truth would make them free. Truth does not bind you as the world would want you to believe when you talk of Bible truth. Truth frees you. And in John 8, 36, these words, if the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. To me, truth is more than fact. Truth comes from God alone. Truth is revealed in Christ. Truth is revealed. The truth of God is revealed in the person of Christ. Acceptance of Christ shows you believe you must be forgiven. Accepting him. Acknowledgement of Christ proves that you believe that God is true. Living in Christ allows the spirit of truth to overpower earthly perspective. The mind of Christ receives the things of the Spirit of God, whereas the natural mind thinks them foolish. Truth must be rooted in the reality of one Almighty God and his only begotten Son. We must believe that he is, and this is in closing, we must believe that he is to the point that we commit our time to search him out. For it is in our confident expectant search that we will find our reward and not suffer disappointment. It's so easy to want to research our problems and try to find out trouble. Research Him and research, learn how to trust in His plan. And then you will be properly equipped to face whatever trouble may come your way. God bless you. Thank you for listening. And I hope you all have a good week. I'm not planning to interact much, I'll probably pick up my son and kind of head on home. So thank you so much for listening.